This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Basically, idols are made by human. These things, in short, are lifeless. And yet, if we read the Bible, many people in there actually worship idols. So, in a nutshell, idols are things that would block us from God. When I was preparing that talk, I was crying and I was like really, you know, kneeling on the floor and saying sorry to God because I didn't know my wife was my idol. Because if she died, I was thinking, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop preaching. I'm going to stop serving. And I didn't know that she was my idol. That my worship and service to God was based on her life. And so this is where the idolatry issue comes up. That have we traded the truth about God, which is God is ultimate, God is king, God is the one who will satisfy me. And have we exchanged the truth of God for a lie? That we worship the created things rather than the creator himself. Welcome to the Narrow Door, everybody. We love it when you're here. My name is Sam. I'm your host. Please say hello to my friends. Pastor Dennis C. is the head pastor of Victory <laughs> Green Hills. Brother J. Paul, yes, who's excited to say hi to you, obviously, is the lay preacher of the feast and <laughs> instructor. <laughs> is instructor at New Heaven and New Earth, Shinjiji Church of Jesus. Hi, everybody. Um, You know what I was thinking? Today, we're talking about idolatry today. And I was thinking that, you know, perhaps this time of the pandemic, one of the things that's happening is it's revealing to us what our idols are. I think because we're being so, like, bared down to the basics at this time, for me anyway, I'm starting to realize like, okay, I'm living now and I thought I needed this and this and that. These things were so important to me, but I'm living without them and I think I'm fine. And so, you know, maybe that's a form of idolatry. I don't know, but we're going to get some clear answers today. And maybe defining the term idolatry would be a good place to start because I feel like when I hear idolatry, it sounds like such an Old Testament biblical thing. And, you know, we don't really do this anymore. Who wants to start? After the okay, all right, yes. Uh, I want to start. So idolatry is basically the act of worshiping other gods or idols. Um, In the previous episodes, I've talked about the parables using one thing to express some uh, another thing which has the same or same characteristic, and then. One of the examples, actually, that we can find a parable in the Bible is about the idols, which I think I can um, discuss earlier. But basically, idols are made by human, and they have, like, mouth, but they cannot talk, eyes, but cannot see, ears, but cannot hear, nose, but cannot smell, even hands, but cannot feel, and feet, but cannot walk. Um, These things, in short, are lifeless. And yet, if we read the Bible, many people in there actually worship idols. So to put it simply and um, in a nutshell, idols are things that would block us from God. So that's why we need to avoid idolatry. Thank you very much for that presentation, almost, I feel like. Pastor D. (laughs) All right. Idolatry for me, aside from what Harold said, would be... To make something good, God. To make something that is good, the ultimate in your life. That's idolatry. Ooh, that's short, but very powerful. 
marinate on that while we go to Brother J. Paul. Yes, Brother J. Paul. I'm really trying to say it in a different way, but it's really the same thing. I guess it's really <laughs> putting something be over God because the first commandment, the greatest commandment, sorry, you, uh, Matthew 22, verse 37 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So it is really basically putting something above God, something, someone, or whatever before God. Right. So when we look at biblical times idolatry, this is pretty literal where God tells us don't make you know, these idols. Do not worship other gods except for me. And you know, biblical people actually end up doing this, which then leads to their doom. In 2020, we're not exactly doing this, but I think idolatry is something that adapts to the times. And so maybe what we can do is kind of identify what these common idols are and how we turn them into idols. Really good point that Pastor Dennis made just now, defining idolatry, making something good God, right? When what I'm getting from that is the thing that we identify as the idol is not a bad thing per se, but it's what we do with it that makes our behavior idolatrous, right? So, you know, what are the common things that you see people idolize? Is that the right term? What do we idolize? Yes. Let's enumerate those things. Maybe we can start with money. Social media like. Okay. Social media. Okay. Social media. No, social media. Okay. That's a very common one. Likes. <laughs> Likes, comments, views, you know, all those things. Yeah. yeah. How does social media become a form of idolatry? Maybe just catch yourself when you wake up. Is it the first thing you open? Not the word of God. Before you sleep, are you checking your social media before, before like being conversing with God and, and just. Pastor D! <laughs> <laughs> no, so just checking if somebody liked our page. <laughs> but really, I, I think this is, um, and later I, su- I suppose, you know, my question, we, maybe we can start with that question right now, actually. When does our you know, love for something, how much we enjoy something, cross over now to being idolatrous? Like what has to happen? Well, fine, putting it over God, but how does that manifest? So say for social media, right? Is it checking it first thing in the morning? Because I feel like that's most of us. So are we all idolatrous with the social media? Well, I think it's more of a concept of your functional savior or functional God. Like, where do I find my ultimate happiness? Is it in my followers, in my likes, my heart, you know, in social media? Or would it be in money, security in money? Would it be in sex? Would it be in relationships? That's why people jump from one relationship to the other because they find their ultimate satisfaction in the created things rather than the creator. And I think this is where scripture was made clear that we've exchanged God for things that are of his creation and therefore we are, you know, worshiping a lie. And that's where C.S. Lewis said we're far too easily pleased because we've exchanged God for something else, right? And that's where idolatry comes in. So it could be my marriage. It could be a single person who is so, you know, who just wants to get married, 
you know, trying to find that perfect one, right? And, and that has been the pursuit of his or her life. And then he or she gets married and finds out it's so empty if that's the ultimate goal in life. Why? Because only Jesus can give me life. And now because I've made it my goal and my idol to get married, now that I'm married, oh, is this all there is to marriage? Yep. Be- because there's no Christ there. And we pursue the things of the world rather than pursue God. And we make something so good, marriage or kids or business or family or even money and make it into God, then it becomes empty, just like how Solomon would say. Hmm. Instructor Harold, what would you like to add to that? Um, yes. So a good question to ask ourselves is that, will this something bring me closer to God or will this something uh, makes God's will happen in my life? Because if the answer to that question is no, then I can say that it could be idolatry. So it, it really is also a test of what's our intention of doing something because our intention yeah. should always be put God first in anything that we do and um, make that close relationship with him because that's our goal um, to be connected with God. So, yeah, again, I, you know, I think maybe I would like to kind of go through the common things that uh, we uh, turn into idols in our lives, right? And maybe kind of examine like what the proper behavior should be, how this thing now becomes idolatrous, maybe starting with money because I think that's an easy one, right? Brother J. Paul, what do you have to say about money? Uh, money, money is not the root of evil. Money, the love of money is the source of evil. It's, it's greed and all of that. And actually, you know, as a, as a leader, we need money in church because uh-huh. we need to fund a lot of things. So, so yeah, um, yeah money, money is not the most important thing in the world. But you need money for everything important to you. So, I love what Gregory, uh, Gregory of the early church, Saint Gregory, says that um, our job, is, the money, our job as Christians is to be the administrator of wealth. It's not to hoard. Yeah, it's not to hoard. But there is nothing wrong with growing wealth, as long as you. Make sure other people, you know, receive the the blessing as well. We we share it to others, to the poor, to the downtrodden, the, those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are in the least. So is that the key to not making money an idol? Is to be able to share share the the goods, you know, share it with your less fortunate brothers and sisters, that kind of thing. Uh, well, some people give money to look good. So at the end of the day, uh, does it? For me, it's really who do you worship? Yeah. Pastor D. Who do you worship? I think transformation is an inside job. It's it's a heart issue. Idolatry is heart issue. It's not. It's it manifests in the natural, but then it's really internal. And the only person who can really answer if he's if he or she has an idol in his life, is actually you, right? It's only me. Only I would know if, if I'm making an idol out of something. Because I could pretend to be so nice and good outside and do all the Christian things, yet in my heart, it's evil, it's motive is not 
clean and it it's out there to get something else and find that satisfaction on that activity rather than on God. Instructor Harold, what do we have what do you have to add to that? Um Basically, I agree with uh, Brother J. Paul when he said that money on its own is not evil. What is evil is actually greed. This is the desire of wanting too much for your own pleasure. And this is what we can consider as idolatry if we are really um, prioritizing the, the love of money and putting all the efforts to gain more money and then really putting God aside. So that's the kind of idolatry that we can um, see if we will look at in our perspective right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about, I suppose, relationships? I think that's an interesting thing that maybe we can elaborate on a little bit. How do we, yes, Brother J. Paul, how do we turn relationships into idols? I love this topic because this is one of my favorite preachings that we've preached in the feast. Um, I want to go to the story of Abraham. A lot of people, sorry, uh, Abraham. Yeah, Abraham. Uh, a lot of people hate God asked him to um, sacrifice Isaac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say, what an insecure God you have. This is what atheists say and all of those things. But you see, the Bible is not a literal thing you re- read. It's about what Isaac represents for Abraham. Because you see, as you go through that, that, that chapter, that Bible story, you understand that, Ab- that Isaac has become an idol for, for Abraham. And, you know, I love this talk. I don't know why Bo Sanchez asked me to preach this in the Holy Land. It's like, what? I'm going to talk about idols in the Holy Land. It's like, all right, God, let's just do it. So it's like one of my highlights in life, like one of my favorite moments. And then I was really surprised. I didn't know I had an idol. So 2017, uh, so I was preaching about it. And I was praying. I was crying while I was praying because um, my wife got sick. She had postpartum eclampsia. Um, she was already 180. She was already in no meds. Like we were doing in the ER. Um, everyone, all the doctors were giving different kinds of meds from basic to the third gen. Nothing was working. And we were just waiting for her seizure to come and then organ failure. And then Vivian and I was just pre- was going through yeah, this. I have one wife. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Just confirming. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was really, and my, my father-in-law is, is a doctor in that hospital and he was calling all the doctors, even osteo, even bone doctors. <laughs> so like everyone is going through to us and I was just like, Lord, I don't know if I can serve if my wife dies. And after a few months when I was preparing, but praise God, you know, every, everyone knows my wife is alive. After six months, she got better and everything. When I was preparing that talk, I did. I was crying, and I was like, really, you know, kneeling on the floor, saying sorry to God, because I didn't know my wife was my idol. Because if she died, I was gonna. I was thinking, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop preaching. I'm gonna stop serving. I'm gonna. And I didn't know that she was my idol. My God. That my worship and service to God was based on her life. And that was my one of my biggest sins um, that I didn't know I even had. I, the silence, right? I mean, I oh my gosh! But I just feel like you know, many people will will hear that story, and 
I mean, I don't have a spouse, but a spouse possibly dying. Like, thank you very much. Who's the patron saint <laughs> for that? Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, like that's an understandable feeling where, you know, the loss of a spouse could really feel like your world is coming down on you. And although, yes, in the eyes of God, you know, if you're going to forsake me and the work that you do for me, because this person now is not in your life, then yes, from the you know, viewpoint of God, that I guess could be offensive. But I don't know. But you know, at the same time, I just kind of feel like, my gosh, that's, I don't know, it's like a natural reaction, right? But Pastor D, what, what do you have to say about that story? Yeah, that's why, uh, as I said earlier, it's really a heart issue. It's something I, you have to deal with God. Right, and maybe if I was in J. Paul's shoes, I might do the same thing and have the same reaction. That's why I couldn't answer if that ever happens to me, how I would react. And it's really coming to the Lord. We almost lost our son also, who was a month old. And I think I went through the same phase. At first, it was full of faith. God's going to heal. God's going to do something. God was a last-minute miracle will happen. Thousands were praying for my son. But then um, he had to go through the operation. And it's that last night before the operation where we really surrendered to the Lord. And there's uh, the five phases, the first phase of denial, anger. You know, we went through that process in a week's time, right? But then it's understanding, wow, death happens to all. And if it's going to be my son, Lord, what can I do? You gave him, now you're taking him away if that would ever happen. So it was so hard because it was... Till the last minute, we were holding on to, to something, right? Well, yeah, we were holding on to God. We were in faith. But then the hard question of, can we really surrender our son to the Lord? You know, and our son survived the operation. He's alive and well. And, but those were tests of faith where you get to see, wow, there are many things that God is exposing in my heart. Running a church uh, where we grew uh, tremendously, really got into my soul. It destroyed me. It made me so proud of how successful I am and how I can lead the church and make it into thousands, right? And it almost did me. It almost <laughs> cut my ministry short. And that was an idol in my heart that somebody had to point it out to me and say, you know, there's so much pride in your heart already and it has become an, ministry has become an idol in your life. Right? Doing things for God has been an idol in your life that you've forgotten about God and you're doing things for God. Wow. And here I was thinking like, okay, what's my idol? Food? Like, is it food? And you guys are like, my gosh, these are serious stories. And he's well, he survived it. He's alive and kicking. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. But, you know, sometimes Sam, even the question is, what if he didn't survive? Hmm. Yeah. Would I react? You know, what if God takes away my business? I prayed for this. I fasted for it. God made it grow in two years. Then after the third year, pandemic hits, he takes it away. How do I respond now? And I think that's where the idolatry comes out of what's yeah. truly there. Yeah, I think this, you know, yeah, like I said in the beginning of this episode, like the whole pandemic situation, I think, is revealing things to us. Personally, for me, I mean, it didn't take the pandemic for me to realize this, but a couple of years ago, um, you know, my career ebbed 
and flowed. And there were times when I was very busy. There were times when I was not. And in these moments when, you know, work wasn't very busy, it would make me sort of question my value. And I realized, you know, along with this faith journey that for me, my work was, you know, kind of an idol for me because I was drawing my identity from it. I thought that all of these things were happening because of, you know, my abilities. And, but then when things would be, you know, things would be kind of quiet and mellow, you know, and I really sat down and considered the question, okay, if you're not hosting, who are you? And I'm like, oh my goodness, if I'm not the hosting person, who am I really? Um, So that was like part of my, you know, my faith journey as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think work is also a big thing when it comes to the idolatry. Mr. Harold, would you, would you like to add anything? It's hard to follow those kind of stories, but I really appreciate how my brothers and you, Sam, opened your heart and really shared to us um, the idols that you consider in your life before, because that shows how important for us to, re- to reflect upon ourselves, because I've been there in the same um, situation before. I had to ask myself, um, am I prioritizing God in my life? And during that time, the answer is no. I was so much into social media. I was waiting Ew. for the likes, for for the heart react. And that's actually an idol for me, which is, mm. I think, very natural if we are so into um, social media. And that's why it's always good when we pause for a while, we check upon ourselves. Hey, is this already an idol? Because if it is, then we must cut it off. And that's why I'm really thankful to God that we have those kind of um, like light bulb moment or that life-changing um, scenarios in our lives. So uh, yes, um, since I'm not in our relationship right now, so I cannot relate with 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 the other. Uh, I'm not either. It's two. fine. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah. going back to the relationship question earlier about the idolatry um, in relationship, I'll be getting an example from the Bible. Um, King Solomon which I mentioned in the previous episode, one of the wisest people that had ever lived um, and was able to capture the heart of God with his prayer. But if we continue reading the Bible, we will find out that he also broke God's heart. How? So many times. (laughs) Yes. So even first, uh, we know that God doesn't want his chosen people, the Israelites, to marry Gentile women. But what did Solomon do? He married 700 wives and 300 concubines, total of 1,000. Do, do you think he knew who was who anymore at some point? Like, oh my goodness, yeah, continue. I be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the history of the ID that we have right now. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so it's hard. First, he, he uh, disobeyed God. In that sense and yet these women are gentiles and they ask solomon that they want to go back to their places to worship their gods and what solomon did was you don't have to go back to your own places we can just set up temples here so that you can worship here and so what happened next solomon also worshiped other gods going back to the ten commandments do not worship other gods and then the number two is do not make any idols in any forms so you can see if what's happening 
in God's heart during that time that I have chosen you. You are so dear to me. And yet, why are you doing this to me? So the relationship on itself is not the idol, but if it will bring you far away from God and it will make you break the covenant, the promise that you have with him, then that can be considered as an idol. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, we're back to that point of like, it's not the thing per se that is idolatrous. It's what, it's how it will affect you, um, how it will affect your relationship with God, your priorities, um, and stuff like that. But serious question, guys, is food an idol? I feel, I don't know. I feel like, remember how food became such a big thing worldwide? Like chefs were celebrities and every other show on TV was a cooking show. And we all started taking pictures of our food. You know, terms like food porn became a thing. And, you know, mukbang videos. Oh my God, I'm guilty of watching some of them because I, like these people, some of them, I don't understand how they could eat this much. But there's something about watching someone eat that's entertaining. You know, is food an idol? I guess anything could be. if it. Yeah, well, yeah. If yeah. you make it the ultimate thing, I think it becomes an idol. Like, I'm depressed. I'll eat. Oh. I run to food. I won't run to God. You know, food will be my comfort, not God. Yep. Right. So, yep. I don't know how that would manifest in other people, but food has been a major struggle for me. I've I've always had uh, struggle with <laughs> with the God of the stomach. You know, <laughs> and it's just so hard to <laughs> overcome it. Especially if somebody okay. gives you chocolates, you know, and send it <laughs> over here. I did that, yeah. Um, no, no, but I think that's a great point. You know, there's um, a lot of people struggle with food. A lot of people run to food when maybe the problem that they're experiencing, the answer is God. And yeah. mm. when you think about food more than you think about God, oh my goodness, I think I do this. Because like, you know, I mean, at the back of my mind right now, I'm thinking what I'm going to get for lunch after this recording. You know, something like that. Where it kind so of, what are you having for lunch? Korean fried chicken. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but you know, okay, not so much like the thinking about it itself, but if I'm thinking more about food than I should be thinking about God, then yes, anything can turn into an idol. And I think like that story of King Solomon uh, exhibits, it can be very subtle. Like I did not mean to worship other gods, but because of the relationships that I engage myself in, I now find myself you know, worshiping other gods and quite literally in that story. Brother J. Paul, you, you look like you want to add something. How can I add there? My brothers are so wise. No, uh, um, no but I mean, I, uh, let's go to a, a relationship. They always get me for this. I don't know why. I always give talks to singles. Oh, uh, I know. And, and the most power. No, wait, can I just interject? Because I know that you, I mean, your love story with your now wife is beautiful you made sure that you wanted to do things god's way right that's a big part of your story so i'm assuming that's why singles want to hear from you and how they can go about this love life of theirs in a way that's pleasing to god i hope so yeah. uh but yeah but for example i always just give a talk and it's like i'm so tired of giving this talk like very simple stop falling in love with falling in love Sometimes ladies are more in love with being in love than the man that they should fall in love with. 
<laughs> the kilig factor. I don't know the English of kilig, but that butterfly in the stomach. I think that's it. Some women are more in love with that than being with the guy, a guy that will lead her to Jesus. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the whole finding somebody who will bring you closer to Jesus. I don't know how many people really consider that as a factor when they're dating. Um, because I don't know. I mean, the Christian dating thing, that's a whole different show, I feel like. But yes, I think one of the big takeaways for me with the relationship thing is, yeah, you have to consider, will this person lead me closer to God? If you are serious about living out this Christian life, then that's something that you need to think about, for sure. Um, well, let's talk about... <laughs> I kind of touched on this in the last episode, but you know, when we're talking idolatry, like we kind of have to talk about the saints again, <laughs> because it's so really funny. I was looking up stuff on idolatry online, you know, before showing up for this recording, and there is a show called Catholic Answers, and that's what they do. They, they receive questions online, phone in, whatever, and they will try and answer that for you. And it was actually a Filipino person who wrote to these guys, and he was asking about the Black Nazarene. Because that's a feast that we have, right? And his statue is like, you know, paraded down the street and people are just clamoring to get, you know, just to touch the statue. And they have, you know, they bring their handkerchiefs and they want to rub it on the statue because what, it's supposed to have healing powers or something like that. And so the question was, is this now idolatry? And I throw it over to you guys. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? I think Jay Paul should answer it first. Yes, brother Jay Paul. Well, like, how would you Choppy. explain this? Choppy, <laughs> Choppy, Choppy. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! Uh, I, I remember us feast builders debated about this for like three hours in one meeting a few years ago. Because uh, there's a right way. Of worshiping God, and there's a wrong way of worshiping God. Um, all these images that we have, we have to remember who is the image. The who is more important than the what. So if if the image, the the, the physical image, because we 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 have physical images because we're in a physical body, we're in a physical world, so it, it reminds us of the spiritual life. Again, the physical the physical images images should lead us to the spiritual God. So if that physical image becomes more important than the God, then that's really something bad. So the black Nazarene, uh, dude, God is not a transactional God. Just because you touch that doesn't mean that you'll be healed and and that's not god so you have to understand who really god is you have to have at the end of the day we go back to this every single episode we have to just really know the relationship uh, you have to have a relationship with god and i i love what you know we were debating about this and we were and brother bo said aren't we judging them 
the end of the day, they're, they're the people that we should disciple, that we should lead back to Jesus. Because, you know, I mean, they might their, their faith is in that area, not to be judgy, but there are people in their walk of faith that are far from that relational God. They're still in that transactional God. So um, if we believe in, in the power of the images, maybe we're in that transactional relationship with God. That's a good... At the end of the day, I repeat, yeah, yeah we, we have to go back that the, these images should lead us to a closer spiritual relationship with God. Yeah, I think that's a great explanation because you're right. We live in a physical world and we are physical beings who also have spirit and you know, relate to spiritual things, uh, one of which is God the ultimate and so but as physical beings we kind of need that tactile experience a tactile reminder of what it is we're living out and i think as catholics that's what these things serve as just for your you know just fyi like you know the catholic answers guy replied by saying you know as long as it's clear that the statue or this act or whatever like this is not god and you know this, yeah. then, you know, yeah. then technically this would not be idolatry. Um, but it is... probably hasn't seen, yeah, he hasn't seen the videos that happen here in the <laughs> Philippines. Know. And people go crazy. They really do. Oh my goodness. And, you know, you know some people are there just to like, you know, create chaos in that environment. Mm. It gets really, really nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a Catholic, I suppose it's something that I want to discuss with our other panelists here because yes, we do have statues of the saints. We have statues of Mama Mary and we have statues of Jesus and, you know, all of those things. It's a big part of our church and our practice. And I just wanted to ask, you know, how do you guys view that? (laughs) Okay. Yes. Uh, that's fine. So. Uh, about the the Nazarene thing and what uh, our brothers uh, are doing or brothers and sisters are doing um, during that feast, when I see them, I ask myself and I also check the Bible because I remember God does not want to bring affliction to us and God doesn't want us to get hurt. But when I see them getting hurt, people are getting injured and I ask myself, so is that God's will? Because if you would ask me, I don't think it's God's will that we will get hurt. And even to the point that Brother Chipel mentioned that there's uh, the kind of worship that will be um, a proper worship. And I think, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's to the point that there's a proper and improper kind of worship to God. So um, at the end of the day, we, we have to reflect upon ourselves because if what we're doing, which is... Um, would just make us away from the will of God in our lives, then then I don't think it's good for us to still do it. Uh, but basically, that's our uh, that's my stand on that oh, um, issue. Oh, so it's more like, it's not so much like there is this feast or whatever, but it's the way people, you know, go there and possibly yep. could get hurt and just create this, you know, chaotic environment in the name of celebrating this feast is what... Okay, okay. Oh, interesting. Pastor D. Well, as to what J. Paul said earlier, I think people are... We have different journeys of faith. And for many who would go there 
and would have a theological stand that if I touch the black Nazarene, uh, all will be well, goes to show that they're not yet there, right? And as what J. Paul said, that's a mission field as he looks at it, that many people are not yet close to God and they feel like an external religious activity would bring me closer to Jesus, right? And I think that's the job of the church. That's why we are all here. We, we study the scripture. We bring them into church community uh, and, and tell them, you know, maybe the motivation behind that is still not right. You're not yet on that right motivation and why you're doing it, right? And so when I see even pictures of the Black Nazarene Feast, it, it goes to show that there's a spiritual hunger in our nation, that our people are longing for a touch of an encounter with Christ. And I think it goes back to us. Have we created as church leaders an environment or a space where they're actually welcome and where they could come and worship with us and that we're open and there's love and there's unity even when we agree to disagree like this podcast, right? And, and I think that's, that should be the spirit of uh, how we would look at things because I, I do believe there are some Catholic priests who denounce the practice, right? Because they felt like it was dangerous, it was not right anymore, it was extreme already. So I think there's even a clamor among Catholic groups to rethink how it's done. And I think Mayor Isco did a wonderful job the last time, you know, trying to limit where it's going to go and, and just celebrate the spirit of the feast rather than, yeah, the statue or, or the Black Nazarene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any other things that, you know, are idolized in 2020 that we didn't quite touch on that maybe you'd like to bring up at this point? Talked yeah, if I could, yeah, yeah, if I could read through Romans 1, just sure. a few verses, uh, around 100 verses here. No, <laughs> let me read verse 21. It says there, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24, so God abandoned them. This is passive judgment, that's what they would say in Scripture, where God abandons His people, the people, to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25 is the main text. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. You know, and I think Romans 1 shows to us that there are many things as human beings. What we do is we worship the created things rather than the creator. And they say the biggest church in the world today is the mall. That's wow, where that all the we're in the mall. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> oh, the no. church, that's why victory is there. <laughs> you know, everything you need to feel satisfied is in the mall. Mm. Food, clothing, uh, Matthew 6, right? Do not worry about anything. Everything in Matthew 6 is in the mall now. So that's the biggest church in the world today, the mall. People go there to worship whatever they want. 
and and spend on things that they don't need to impress people they do not know. So, uh, and so this is where the idolatry issue comes up. That have we traded the truth about God, which is God is ultimate, God is king, God is the one who will satisfy me, and have we exchanged the truth of God for a lie that we worship the created things rather than the Creator Himself? Wow. Amen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is Dr. Harold, do you want to jump in? It really is. Yeah. If we are um, talking about uh, idolatry, I think earlier um, you've mentioned about the, the food. Um, I, I just want to go back very quickly that one of, uh, I think, idolatry that we can find in the scripture about food is gluttony, that the excessive ones of eating or drinking. And um, going back to what is our intention about the food, if we go to a restaurant and uh, is just so excited to take a picture and upload it in social media, but forgot to even pray and forgot to thank God for the food that you received, then that can be like a form of idolatry because you prioritize this thing over uh, what you have to be grateful to God. And um, one more thing about sex, having sex on its own is good, but if you are just doing it out of lust, out of your fleshly desires. If your intention is not good, then this is something that could also make you away from God and it could also be considered as idolatry. So there are different kinds of idolatry um, that we can see in our lives right now. Even in the scripture, it says that idolatry is whatever in our um, earthly nature it could be in a form of sexual immorality, um, impurity, um, lust, evil desires, and greed. And the reason why it's considered as idolatry in the Bible is because these are the things that could make us away from God. This could be a stomping block for us to be connected to God. So it's always important for us to check up on ourselves. What's our intention? Why we're doing this? And are we still prioritizing God over anything in the world? Brother J. Paul, did you want to jump in? Uh, no, it's, uh, I, I love it. It's okay. Sure. Uh, I was just really reflecting about it uh, while, while my brothers were speaking. For us, basically, as Catholics, that's why we had Vatican II. Because the church, the Catholic Church, became so inward. We were falling in love with our traditions. And that can be idolatry. Our traditions could be richness because we, we, we th- we're 2,000 years old. So we, we have history. But if we're falling in love with our tradition and forgetting who God is, that is idolatry. So that is why we had to have, we had to have Vatican II to reassess how are we doing things? Are we really honoring God? So, so we opened up the church because the church should not be an inward-looking church. It should be outward-looking church. And that's when you know, we, the, um, the Pope since then have clamored for ecumenism, for friendship. for Because br- there was a time when the Catholic tradition was the, the world leader in, in, in history that we looked down on Protestants, on non-Catholics. And that is a sin because we were so in love with our tradition. So, and I believe we're correcting. 
we're course correcting and i'm saying this because the church is imperfect and we're getting better we're trying we you know we're just really grateful that especially for me as a catholic preacher our church has made many mistakes and we can just see history we have made many mistakes but we just praise god for his glory and mercy that we're still around because god forgives and god has blessed us so yes anyone we can fall in love with our tradition the way we do things and forget who god is and why do we do this podcast why do we do what we do to focus on the great commandment and the great commission Wow. Okay. That is quite the note to wrap this conversation up on. Um, yes, Instructor Harold. Um, since we're about to wrap it up, uh, if I can just add a little spice in our conversation right now, which sure. I really love. Spicy. Okay. <laughs> Commercial. You don't add little. You always add a lot of spice. <laughs> You're plenty <laughs> spicy already. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So um, I just want to add the way we understand uh, the parable about the idol, because we are, I think, um, our brothers here are in agreement that idolatry could be seen in what we have around us. If there's an excessive want of something before God, that could be considered as an idol. But also, I want to share to everyone, like, what is that uh, the parable about the idol? So if we will go in Isaiah chapter 41, it says that God actually um, invited the idols to go to the court and testify about the former things and the future things. But going back to the definition of idol, these are images or statues that have mouths, but they cannot speak. So why is God asking them to testify these things? So that means it's a parable. God is using something to express something else that has the same characteristic. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman and an image that teaches lies? So imagine an image. Could that teach lies? Of course not. So this is a parable. But um, so people could be thinking, so if that's a parable, what does that mean? Let me share you the reality when it happened in the time of first coming. We can consider this as the Pharisees and teachers of the law who taught lies. But how can we see that they taught lies? Who is the truth at the time of first coming? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. But if the Pharisees and teachers of the law understand the truth, they should be able to testify to their congregation members that, hey, Jesus, who is the promised Messiah of God, already came, and we should believe in him because that is teaching the truth during that time. And they are the ones who actually blocked the, or shut the doors going to the kingdom of heaven to the people during that time. So there's a good news that we can find in the Bible. In Isaiah, it was also prophesied that all these idols will totally disappear, which we can relate to the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he actually dreamt of a statue. And this statue is quite um, interesting. It's made of different materials. The head is made of gold. The chest and the arms are made of silver, belly and thighs made of bronze. Um, the legs were made of iron. And then the feet were made of partly iron and partly big clay. And then it says that 
a rock that is not made of human hands crushed it and then the statue was gone and we know who that rock is that is jesus and his words his words that judge the pharisees and teachers of the law during that time of first coming and so we can see that god really wants to put an end to these idols and um in the time of jesus he's the one who is able to speak the truth he's the one who said that i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and if we believe in him we will be saved and he is the one who was able to testify both the former things and the future things because in john chapter 14 verse 29 he said that i tell you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe why because jesus knows what's going to happen in the future and that uh, makes a clear distinction between an idol and a rock a rock or a stone jesus who was um, not made of human hands but is able to crush it that is able to put an end on it that's why in the time of second coming there's going to be an idol but there is a good news that's the reason why jesus is going to come back to put an end on them once again and that's the kind of story that we all want to hear uh, a happy ever after yeah i guess it's about time we heard you say pharisees and first coming and stuff like that like you know. <laughs> yay okay there there is the pastor dean did you want to did you want to add anything well let me end with my story of idolatry oh uh, sure yeah Ooh. yeah we grew up we grew up with a lot of idols in our house my parents were uh roman catholic born again buddhist so we had all the statues in the house. We got Buddha and all the Chinese gods, around 16 of them. And it's in one room. And then wow. Mama Mary's there. Baby Jesus is there. Santo Nino's there. And it's mixed. It's really who will answer me at this time. Every time we go to that room, it's like, if this God doesn't work, I go to this God. right? And, and if you look at it, and maybe it's not just Chinese culture, but I think almost all cultures of the world, there's just four major idolatry, uh, sphere of idolatry or, or categories. Number one is the idolatry of wanting to be in power. Mm. Second is the idolatry of approval, where we seek mm. approval. Next is the idolatry of comfort. Right? And lastly is the idolatry of control. Right? All, this, all of the things would fall into these four things. Right? I need power. I need approval. I want comfort, I want control, right? And all of that, as we all know, we could not get on our own. It's, it's in vain we tried to, right? Power is empty without God, you know? Your approval, you can only get from God. Your comfort, you can only get from Jesus, not from cars, not from beds, not from money. And control, the need to be in control is something we all know. This pandemic has taught us you are not in control. There is somebody far greater who is in control. And I think, just to, well, my last say on this would be, you've got to name your idols out loud and really be honest. This is an idol in my life. Like for me, it's the need mm. to be in control. I don't want to be out of control. You know, I need to be in control. I need everything in my hands. It's got to be my schedule, right? And, and that's been an idol in my life. And that's why I'm always been results oriented. I wanted to always be successful in life because of that need to control things. Right? And I've got mm -hmm. to confess that idol in my heart and say, God, take this away. I'm aware of this. This is my kryptonite. 
you're my Superman. So you got to take this out, right? And I've got to repent of those idolatries in my heart and rejoice that Jesus is my master and that he would replace those idols with him. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's a slippery slope. I think if you're not willing to be really honest with yourself and, you know, really have that conversation with yourself to identify what it is that you are turning into idols in your life, it's hard to know sometimes. And um, uh, it's also a little, um, I guess it's, you know, it, the it, they work in subtle ways. So you really need to be alert about what takes priority in your life. So like mm. my last question, again, you know, just some, you know, words of advice on how we can keep on the lookout, make sure always that you're prioritizing God above all else, because we do not want to fall into this trap of idolatry. What, 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 do, you, what do you guys have? Okay, let me start. I'm going to quote again, if it's okay. It's from Tim Keller. It's called Counterfeit Gods. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, he says, Idol gives us a sense of being in control, and we can locate them by looking at our nightmares. What do we fear the most? What if we lose it would make life not worth living? Something to chew on, something to think about uh, after watching this podcast. Wow. Brother J. Paul. Or Instructor Harold. looking for the verse. <laughs> Instructor Harold, do you want to yeah, jump in? Okay, yes. You might not be shocked with my answer, but basically, if we, um, if we want to avoid idolatry, we have to know first uh, the Word of God because if we clearly understand it, then we will be able to prioritize God over anything that we have in our lives. So, uh, basically, that's the tip that, uh, that I have for everyone who is listening to this podcast. Yeah, great tip so far. Brother J. Paul, no pressure. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. No, because uh, this is something that I've been... Um, I'm writing a new book, so shameless plug, I'm writing a new book. Are you? Uh, What's it about? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Abundance. It's about abundance. Okay. And I want, I'm, I'm really centering on Moses and, and the, the 40 years. It's really, um, I'm centering on that story. Uh, Moses in, in the latter, in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is about Moses really feeling sad because the, you know, 40 years, like he knows the heart of the Israelites. They're always complaining. They're hard hearted. They're always taking instead of trusting in God. And every time we take, we are, as Pastor Daniel was saying, we have that desire of power instead of trusting that God is a God of abundance, of generosity, that His dreams for you, actually, are much better than what you can ever dream for yourself. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12, it says, The Lord will send rain at the proper time from His rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. I, I mean, I just that's just something that I'm mulling on just the past few months because this pandemic has revealed to us our idols, money, jobs, careers, fame. But you see, if you just become obedient to God, His abundance is more beautiful than the curses that this world offers us. 
You are thriving in this pandemic. You have a podcast coming out. You're writing a book. My goodness. Um, wow, this was so um, meaningful, this conversation. L lots to chew on after this episode. Lots of questions to mull over like you have been doing for your book, Brother J. Paul. Um, so thank you so much. And um, speaking of books, Pastor D., you got books that are out and available. You want to tell us about that? Yes. My book uh, on sex called Why Settle for Good Sex When You Can Have Great Sex is in Shopee and Lazada. You can buy it online. Also, my latest book, Giants for Breakfast, is also in Shopee and Lazada. Also in Amazon Kindle, the great sex book, not the Giants for Breakfast. Also writing a book now. Oh, you are? What are you writing about? Uh, writing on leadership. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, we're going to get all the good details once the books are out and where you can get them. Um, and where else can we find you? Yeah, you can look for us at Victory Green Hills. That's our Facebook page and our YouTube. We are also on Instagram for our latest preachings, news updates about our church. Go and visit our page. And also Act Like a Man Philippines. Uh, made for men by men. Mm -hmm. All the manhood stuff that you need, it's there. Instructor Harold. Um, you can shoot us an email, um, contact.nhneph.gmail.com, or you can follow me in Facebook and Instagram, Harry Resho. Yeah, and Brother J. Paul is in all the um, social media platforms as well, J. Paul Hernandez, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And yes, my email address, the narrow door podcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. On the next episode, we'll go through a couple of letters. But for today, I just want to thank you and um, lots to think about after this episode. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>